Welcome to Financial Freedom God's Way Radio, where you are going to continue to learn, apply, and to pass on Bible-based financial principles and applications so that you and your family will not only just survive, but can thrive even during these very, very uncertain times. Hi, welcome, and Happy New Year. This is Bob Louder from Christian Financial Ministries, and it is an absolute honor to have you with us again. It really is. Now, what's going to be on our schedule for our 30-minute time together today? Well, first of all, let me ask you a couple of questions, all right? First question, do you know what the third piece of God's spiritual armor happens to be? Do you know why it was important to the Roman soldier? And finally, do you know how it ties directly to your personal finances? <laughs> well, well, you're going to discover the answer to all three of those questions today during our radio seminar time. Then during our Q&A, we're going to continue to dig deep into the questions that surround debt and borrowing. You're going to have a great consumer tip from Clark Howard. And finally, well, finally, you are going to hear, you're going to love to hear what John Maxwell has to say about the word laugh. <laughs> laugh? Really? Yep. We're going to hear what John Maxwell has to say about the word laugh during our Minute with Maxwell. So stay tuned, won't you? It's going to be a great time together. You're not going to want to miss a single minute. Now, as we open, as we always open, would you join us in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for meeting with us together again today. Would you please give us ears to hear all you have planned for us to hear to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. During our radio seminar segment together, we're going to continue our discussion on God's spiritual armor as Paul gives them to us in the book of Ephesians, okay? And as we do, what we want to do is to begin with a little bit of review. Because what you need to remember is that the Bible, listen carefully here, the Bible says that you do not have, nor have you ever had, a single financial problem, not even one. Now, how can that be? Well, because the Bible does tell us that, that finances are never a problem. Finances are always symptoms of a spiritual problem. Now, the good news is that all spiritual problems have spiritual solutions, right? And, and that is one of the reasons God gives you, God gives me, that's the reason he gives us all of his spiritual armor so that you and I, so that we can meet and defeat the enemy who wages spiritual warfare against you and your finances. Now, also recall that according to the Bible, the devil's entrance into your life, including his entrance into your financial and material life, well, it is allowed primarily through your negligence. You see, he, he slips in through an undisciplined, an unorganized and an uncommitted mind, and then, well, then he begins to wage warfare against your mind and your flesh and your finances. Now, the Bible says that rather than trying to run from the devil, what we must do is to learn what God has to say about him and how to put on and use God's spiritual armor. Now, now we've already seen that the that the very first piece of armor that he gives us to pick and pick up and, and put on is the it's the loin belt, or it's often called the belt of truth. You see, the belt of truth is the logos. It is the written word of God. My friend, when you when you put on the loin belt of the Bible, 
and determined to make it a priority in your life, well, then you're well on the way to, to winning the battles that come against your body and your mind, your family, your friends, your ministry, and your finances. Then, then during our last time together, we discovered that the second piece of armor is what Paul calls the breastplate of righteousness. And we discovered that the more you wear your breastplate of righteousness, the more, the more you walk through life, fully conscious of your righteousness in Christ, and the more brightly you're going to shine as a light in a dark world of sin. And and one other thing, as you as you walk with your breastplate firmly in place, you will learn that that your righteousness, well, it is not only a defensive weapon to protect you from the blows of the enemy, but but it is also an offensive weapon to help you as you assault the enemy and to take back lost territory to include taking back lost financial territory. Now, now when when you put on your belt of truth and when you when you put on your breastplate of righteousness, well then my friend you're going to begin to know you're going to begin to know what it is like to enjoy his peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding. And as a matter of fact, Peace has quite a lot to do with our spiritual armor and our Roman soldier friend, okay? Let, let's see how God uses his peace. Let, let's, consider, let's consider the next piece of God's spiritual armor, which are the shoes of peace, okay? And, and, and here, I, I think you're going to, I think you're going to have a couple of surprises. Now, as always, what we're going to do, we're going to take a look at it from this piece of armor, both from the Roman soldier's perspective and from our perspective today. So first, the Roman soldier. What, what was his perspective on his shoes? Well, if you think about it, he's got to have thought that his shoes were really pretty important. <laughs> I mean, you know, look back in time, man, they had no Jeeps. They had no helicopters. You know, the, the terrain was rough. I mean, jagged rocks, blazing sand. And they had to walk, listen, they had to walk everywhere they went. And then they had to fight on their feet when they got there. The point is this. The Roman soldier would be useless if he could not walk to the fight and then fight on his feet. Now, they are important, yes, but what did they look like? What what did they look like to the Roman soldier? Well, first, actually, there were two parts of, of the shoes. And the first part is what we call, it's what was called the greaves. Now, the greaves, well, they were tube-like um, attachments that went from the knee to the top of the foot, and they were made of brass or bronze. Now, now the greaves, well, they protected the soldier's lower legs from, from briars and, bram- and the brambles as he marched and attacked through the, through the thickets, right? I mean, this part of his shoes protected him from the rocks and the crags as he climbed as he climbed the hills and the fortified embankments and from the slashing blows of his enemy so first part of the shoes were the were the greaves but then you had the actual shoes okay and what we find is that the top and the bottom of the roman soldier's shoes well they were covered with protective pieces of brass and, and then the bottom of his shoes, well, on the bottom, bottom of his shoes were rows and rows of sharp spikes, one to three inches long. And this would give the soldier a fantastic traction to either, to either advance and trample his enemies or, or to help him stand his ground. 
Okay. Now, and by the way, plus the shoes on the shoes, well, the toes and the heels, well, they often had hobnailed spikes on the toes and the heels. Again, offensive, defensive. Now, the Roman soldiers' shoes, they were, oh, they were awesome weapons. Awesome weapons. Defensive weapons and offensive weapons. Now, my friend, it is the same way with you and your shoes of peace. Paul is telling you that, that God's peace not only protects you, but it also provides you with a brutal weapon to, you, to wield against the enemy when, when that enemy attacks you and your finances. And by the way, a little side note here. Um, in the Bible, there are actually two kinds of peace. First of all, first of all you have peace with God, okay, peace with with God. Now, and now this happens, well, it happens at the exact time you pray to ask Jesus Christ into your heart as your Lord and Savior. It is when you become a child of God rather than a child of the devil, all right? It, it is a spiritual condition that belongs to all, to all believers. Now, that's, that's one. That's peace with God. We are no longer at enmity with God when we ask his Son into our heart as our Lord and Savior. That's one kind of peace. Now, there is also the peace of God, which is the word that Paul uses here in Ephesians to paint a picture of both a defensive and an offensive weapon. You see, the peace of God, well, first of all, it is a fantastic defensive weapon. His peace is protective. You see, it is, it is the peace of God. That, that guards you against the thorns and the rocks of a difficult financial situation. Maybe guards you against a bad marriage, guards you against a sick body, or, or a challenge against your ministry. Listen, it is the peace of God that pulls the plug on the devil's effectiveness. Listen, if he cannot disturb your peace, he cannot disturb you. Philippians 4.7 makes this point very clearly. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds. Now, I know that you've heard this verse many, many, many times, but, but did you know that the word keep here where it says shall keep your hearts and minds? Well, keep, well, that is a word picture of a guard standing watch over something that needs protection, okay? It's the keep. It's the, it's the castle keep. It's where you went to be protected when the, when the castle was attacked. Isaiah 26, 3 says, that will keep him. Again, the same word. That means that, that he's going to garrison you like, like a soldier, you know, protecting and guarding and defending you. That, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Now, plus, plus don't forget the spikes that are going to help you hold your footing in place. You see, you see, regardless, regardless of what you see or what you hear, you do not have to move. It's not going to make any difference. And you will not care how hard it becomes because, because the peace of God, it keeps you. It, it's immovable. It keeps you immovable until the work of God and whatever the particular area might happen to be until that work of God is finished. Only, listen, only the peace of God will keep you in place and in confidence. So, so your, your, your shoes of peace are, first of all, defensive. 
But did you realize that they are awesome, awesome offensive weapons as well? Romans 16.20 says this, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, now the word crush, well, this is a Greek word. Well, it describes the act of smashing and utterly crushing grapes into wine. The, the act of, of snapping and breaking and crushing bones. Okay, Paul, Paul is telling you that the devil's only rightful position is to be crushed under your feet, completely subdued. Now, now don't forget, don't forget that, that yours, that ours, well, uh, it's a joint partnership with God. And, and remember that Jesus completely destroyed the devil's power, the devil's power over you through his death and reg- resurrection. Remember that? Well, your God-given mission is to reinforce that victory which has already been won and to demonstrate just how miserably defeated Satan really is. So what what does all of this mean? Let's put a wrap on this. Well, what it means is, my friend, you and I need to begin to do some walking. Joshua 1.3 says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. You see, they would, they would walk and fight and win because God was on their side. You see, it is, time, it is time for you to do some walking and possessing. I mean, no more bad habits and, and excuses like eating and too much TV and all of the rest, okay? You know, just like, just like the Israelites of old, you now know that financial freedom is yours. Now what you got to do is you go out and possess that land. And, and, and as, you, as you leave, what does this mean to you today? Well, it means as, as you leave our time together, what are you going to do? You're going to go out and you're going to hold your head up high. You're going you're gonna to dig your heels down as deep as you possibly can. Listen, don't listen to the devil's hellish accusations and threats. No, no. When the devil tries to stand in front of you, and he tries to oppose you as you work through all the Holy Spirit is giving you. Well, you don't stop. You don't, you don't politely ask him to move. No, man, you just keep on marching. And God and you will trample the devil under your feet. So what is, what is the first step to take when you recognize that you're, you're under siege and, and that chaos is attempting to override the peace in your life? Well, you need to live, you need to act in the fact that you have the peace of God. Again, plant your heels deep, keeping the devil under your foot, and do not give up even another inch of ground. And then and then step out in faith to do some walking into the realm of financial freedom God's way. My friend, it's, it's been said that it is not how long you live. It is what you stand for while you live. Now think about think about this. Jesus Christ stood for something, didn't it? Didn't he? I mean he he only lived thirty three years, but but he shook the world because he stood for principle. Now Paul stood for something too, right? Nero, he stood for nothing. And what happens today? Well we name our sons Paul and our dogs we name Nero. <laughs> You see, the path of least resistance makes men and rivers crooked. No one has ever drifted 
into victory to include financial victory. So, so put on your shoes of peace. Take a stand. Start, start speaking to yourself rather than listening to yourself. You know, tell yourself, I, I will make a stand right here. I will not surrender. I, I cannot and will not be defeated. I will not quit. Jesus is with me. The victory is mine. First, take a stand and then advance, okay? So, so now, now you know just a bit about the belt of truth, which is the Bible, right? It, it is always the very first piece of armor that you pick up and put on. And then comes your breastplate of righteousness that drives the dark situations in your life in the other direction. And now, well, now you know that you need to pick up and put on God's God's shoes of peace and that this is the peace of God, which is both a marvelous defensive and offensive weapon. Okay? All right, now that's this time. Next time, well, during our next radio seminar time together, we're going to take a good hard look at the next piece of God's spiritual armor, which is his shield of faith. Boy, boy, we're going to have a good time with that one. That's next time. During our question and answer time together today, what I'd like us to do is to continue talking just a little bit more about borrowing and debt, now, now recall, we've already discovered that although the Bible clearly does not prohibit borrowing, it is very clear that the Lord would have us adopt a debt-free mentality rather than the usual debt-first mentality that is so rampant today. Now, let's build on this foundation by looking at a very sad but yet an all-too-common question. Here's the question. Bob, we have overspent for the last three or four years, and it is finally catching up with us. We've gone through bill consolidation loans, loans from our parents, and equity loans, and we now find ourselves unable to pay our bills once again. We have overdue credit cards, and what we're finding is that we're using credit cards now just to be able to live month to month. How in the world can we get out of this mess? Well, uh, Sue and Jim, as we start, what you and all of us need to realize, a couple of things we need to realize right up front. First of all, as sad as your circumstances are, you are not alone, all right? Now, I know that may not be too comforting, but just hold on to that thought for just a second. Now, secondly, what, what you do not have to do is to stay where you are any longer, you say you, you can move from where you are to where you want to be. There is hope. You have hope. Now, how so? Well, uh, you can do this by yourself. You may need the help of other people. But let me give you, let me give you a simple three-step process that you can follow right now to begin to move in the right direction. Okay? Three steps. First step. Make a commitment to the Lord and to each other. No more debt. Now, now perhaps, uh, maybe, I don't know, may, maybe you have, you've heard the two simplest economic principles that were, have ever been written, have you? The first is, if you don't borrow money, you cannot get into debt. A and the second simple economic principle is, if you do not borrow any more money, you cannot get further into debt. There, therefore, 
Therefore, you two, the, the very first thing that you must do is to prayerfully agree that you are not going to go into any more debt. And, and really, this is easier than it sounds because it, it really is just a matter of deciding whether or not you trust God. I mean, do you trust him or you, do you just say that you trust him? Listen, listen, any couple in debt must begin reversing the process that got them there, okay? If you find you are overspending month by month on your credit cards, like you say that you are, well, then I would suggest that you destroy your credit cards and, and mail them back to the credit card company along with a written letter telling them to cancel not only your card, but your account, okay? So the first thing to do right now is to prayerfully stop going further into debt. Now, secondly... The second thing to do, well, it has it has everything to do with the dreaded B word, okay? <laughs> Step two is all about working together or getting some help to set into place a realistic budget that calls for you to repay all your creditors, okay? Now, what you're going to do, you're going you're gonna to come up with a, with a budget, um, you're going to take the money that you have available to pay your creditors. You're going to divide it up and, and, and make recommended payments proportionally, okay? And, and then you're going to send that budget and repayment schedule to each one of your creditors. And, and if, for example, if you're only able to pay about half of what you owe, okay, well, then tell them that. Tell them the truth. Show, that, show it to them in black and white. You know, I've negotiated with, with a whole lot of creditors for counselees, and I, I can tell you that, that honestly, honestly, lenders don't want somebody to go bankrupt. No, no, no. All they want is your money, okay? They, they want what, what is due to them. I have never found a lender yet, well, maybe there, there have been some small loan companies, but basically most lenders, they're going to want to work things out with you. As long as you and your family, well, you're honest and you're running toward them and not away from them. You're not trying to avoid them, okay? Now, now you're also going to write them a letter and you're going to explain to them in your own words your commitment to stop borrowing, your commitment to, to repay all of your debts, and you're going to express your desire not to declare bankruptcy. And then, well then, well then it becomes God's responsibility to jump in and to help. You see, the average family, well, you, I, I got to tell you, our experience has been that the average family should be able to be debt-free except for your home and maybe some business debt, investment losses. But generally speaking, you can be, you can be debt-free in two to three to four years, okay? You can be debt-free including your home in five to seven years. So step number one, you got to decide to commit before the Lord and to each other no more borrowing. Step two, send your creditors a letter to honestly share your present condition and what you are going to do about it to include starting to live on a budget which you attach to the letter. Okay? Finally, step three, make one more commitment. Okay, one more commitment. Prayerfully agree that when any additional money comes into your hands, that you're going you agree that you're going to use at least half of it to pay on your debts. 
Okay, you know, and what you need to do, I, I will, I will tell you this, and I learned from Dave Ramsey, I learned from Larry Burkett. I think it makes good sense. You need to work the hardest to pay off your smallest debt first, irrespective of the interest rates. Okay, all right. Then you take all of that money that you were paying on that first bill, and you roll it into what you were already paying on the next larger one. All right. This, this is what Dave Ramsey calls the debt snowball. In this way, you're going to see your debts begin to disappear. Anyone, listen, anyone who ever got into debt knows getting there could be a lot of fun. Getting out of there, not so much, not so much. Sue, Jim, you can do this. You have hope. Now it is time for you to act on the hope that you have. According to our consumer advocate friend, Clark Howard, Buying in bulk can be a great way to save money and to stock up on the items that you most often use. Now, warehouse clubs such as Sam's Club and Costco and even BJ's Wholesale Club, well, these folks offer a huge selection of items that you can buy in larger quantities. But listen, not everything works to buy in bulk, okay? When you take into account the expiration dates and the storage space you're going to need at home. So Clark gives us two lists to consider, one that we should buy in bulk if we have the space and the other ones that we should not buy in bulk. Let me share them with you, all right? First of all, on the positive side, what should we buy in bulk if we can? Condiments, such as ketchup and mustard and hot sauce. All of your paper and plastic storage bags. Most most canned goods, but you got to remember to check the expiration dates. Dried pet food, all kinds of pasta. And then if you have good freezer space, you can also stock up on things like frozen fruits and vegetables and meat and all of your bread products. And finally, Clark says it's always a great idea to stock up on cleaning products and health and beauty supplies. Now, that's on the positive side. But what should you not buy in bulk due to short expiration dates? Well, things like fruits and vegetables, spices, batteries, snacks, of course, all of your dairy products, and even diapers. <laughs> One, and, and I got to go along with that because I don't know about you, but when we tried, my wife and I tried to stock up on diapers, we always found out that the babies grew faster <laughs> and soon outgrew our supply of diapers. So, when you're buying in bulk, it can save you money, can save you trips to the gas station, but you got to remember to buy within your budget based on the storage space that you already have, okay? Another great thought from Clark Howard. Hope it helps, particularly during these holidays. Thank you, Clark Howard. Now, let's start to wrap up our time together today with one of the highlights of any of our times together any day, and that is, well, let's spend a minute with Maxwell and let John Maxwell give us his thoughts on the word laugh. One time I did a talk on he or I could say she who laughs last. Today's word is laugh, and I love that word. Um, I tell people all the time uh, that they need to laugh at themselves. And the reason you need, and I need to laugh at, and the reason I need to laugh at myself is other people are laughing all the time at me. <laughs> and it's it always amuses me when we think everyone else is kind of off, but not us, and everyone else is kind of 
do they do stupid things, but not us. And, you know, we, we're laughing at others, but certainly people don't laugh at me. And, and the fact is, people are howling at me all the time. They're laughing and saying, I can't believe that that man has done what he's done. And he is so stupid in so, so many areas. Now, it's just very simple. Laughter is great medicine. That's what the proverb says, that it's medicine for the soul. The reason it's such good medicine is a person that can laugh at themselves does not take themselves serious, and a person that does not take themselves serious is free from the burden of self. That's huge. So get free from the burden of yourself. Laugh at yourself. You might as well. Everybody else is. Wow. Now that's another great teaching. From John Maxwell. Thank you, John. I mean, there's something we already know a little bit about, right? I love it when he tells us that we need to not be so serious all the time. People are already laughing at us, and some of the times what we need to do is to join them. <laughs> Another great minute with Maxwell. Okay, now that just about wraps up our time together today. Recall, we started out taking a look at the peace of God. We we talked more in our Q&A time about debt and borrowing, that there's always hope. Clark Howard shared with us some tips on what to and what not to buy in bulk. And of course, we just had our minute with Maxwell on how wonderful it is to laugh with others and at ourselves. Uh, my friend, it's, uh, it's been a great time together. Thank you for being with us again today. It's time to close in prayer. Father God, I thank you for bringing us together today and for each of the days to come to your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Have a blessed rest of your day, won't you? And we're looking forward to seeing you next time as we continue down your personal road to financial freedom here at Financial Freedom God's Way Radio. Radio.